Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Todd Cartmel, the author of Eight Simple Tools for Raising Great Kids. Todd is a clinical child psychologist. He's an author of a number of parenting books, Keep the Siblings, Lose the Rivalry, Eight Simple Tools for Raising Great Kids, Flexible Kids, a number of other ones. Uh, He is the creator of the Flexible Thinking Game, which is a game that you can use to teach important skills to your kids. And he conducts parenting workshops around the country with groups of parents. So we're super excited to get Todd on the show. We're going to be jumping into Todd's book, Eight Simple Tools for Raising Great Kids. I love your book. And one amusing chapter in the book is about Mario Kart. And um, (laughs) I wonder, since writing the book, if uh, Mario Kart is still a big deal in your household. (laughs) Believe it or not, both my boys are actually married and not in the household anymore, so that happened pretty quick. But I believe Mario Kart is a thing for each of them still. Not sure that's good or bad to say. So, uh, yeah, and in fact, I think one of my guys, Luke, was just mentioning that he and his wife were playing Mario Kart last weekend and was messing around. So the fascination with that evades me. Yep, and I'm still terrible at it, I'm sure. Okay, but that was like kind of the point of why you brought it up in the book, was yeah. that you're maybe not that good at it, and you don't quite get it, but that you still did it, and you tried to get into it. Yeah, in that example, uh, and for sure, the allure with that game uh, totally eludes me. Other games I can understand, just not that one. But uh, yeah, they were playing that, you know, in all of its glory, and throwing the little bombs at each other, and whatever that was. You know, and they said, hey, Dad, do you want to play? And, you know, I have no attraction to that particular game. But um, I thought, well, <laughs> here I am. I've got two uh, older teenage boys asking me to play with them. How lucky am I? So, of course, I did. And it was fun, and I lost, and it doesn't matter. You know, that's just a little silly example, but, uh, you know, I've seen the opposite. You know, I've seen in my office times where I've heard dads, there, there's this precious little interaction. And not that there's not opportunity, it's just that, I don't know, they're just not valuing the opportunities or looking for them or let alone trying to create them. I was talking yesterday to a mom and dad of a, a very challenging boy. I'm, I'm just kind of beginning to get involved. And I mean, this this is going to be a pretty challenging situation coming up. And so one of the things before we even get to that, one of the very first things you're going to start doing is looking for any opportunity to kind of connect and, and do some activities together that are non-conflictual. Um, you know, in some of the research, you know, this is kind of the special time kind of idea, even with a middle teenager. Because, uh, you know, if we're going to have to have some difficult territory to, to travel here in a little bit, the more connected they are, uh, the better that's going to be. And, and then the more connected they are in the little things, then that opens the door because they were telling me that this young guy is, uh, you know, starting to get in with the wrong kind of kids. And there's areas of his life that didn't even know he's interested in. And so there's super disconnect. And so, um, again, we've got some tough behavior to handle. So we're going to try to prep for that by trying to create as much of a connection up front as possible. Obviously, because yeah. the more connected he is and the more connected they can be to him, then, you know, the, the other stuff's going to, you know, feel more relationally based and, and, you know, and hopefully go smoother. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I love that. And uh, there's a lot of studies showing that openness in parental relationships is like a moderator of a lot of other things like frequency of communication sometimes, or that if you have this strong foundation built, then anytime you try to like impart a value or teach a lesson, it's more effective and your teenager is more receptive to it. And so I think what you're saying is really important. And I wonder how you specifically can go about kind of identifying those moments as a parent and then what you do like to, to capitalize on that. Sure. Um, it's like the old John Maxwell quote, you know, you got to connect before you direct, you know, it's yeah. like, this is, you know, kind of age old wisdom kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, with my guys are, you know, uh, certainly, uh, and they're, you know, they're uh, 23, 25 now uh, with birthdays and things. Uh, wow. But I mean, there might be little opportunities that, that pop up, but you know, I like to be a little more um, proactive than that. You know, you want to just uh, craft that stuff. You want to create that stuff, um, which is uh, maybe later on we can talk about family times. And that's a, a way of literally building that into the into the sequence and rhythm of your family life over years, let alone intentional uh, connection via physical touch and being connected that way and just creating that kind of close relationship builder. Mm-hmm. You know, little uh, just war- you know, warm touches. Those are social reinforcers. Those are social rewards. Those are relationship builders. Um doing activities together individually, family-wise, uh, whatever. Like we're just talking about the Mario Kart. It doesn't matter what. Yeah, yeah, the, right. the point of them is to connect. And, you know, this is um, Gary Chapman. I remember one of his books and talking with him uh, a little bit. One thing he said is he, he told some story about some, some uh, dad who was trying to connect with his kid taking him fishing and stuff. And so the kid's talking to Chapman about this and saying, my dad takes me fishing. Number one, I hate fishing. Uh, number <laughs> number two, like all we do is talk about fish. I don't care about fish. I don't care. Uh-huh. And so the kid's just hating it. And the dad's trying to do the right thing, but he's totally missing right. the mark. You know, and Chapman's point out of that was, hey, when you're doing an activity with your kid, you got to make sure that that the kid <laughs> knows that they're more important to you than the activity, you know? Yeah, right. You know, if I'm watching a football game with my boys and I want it to be a connecting time, well, I can make it connecting. But the way you have to make it connecting is you got to make sure the kid feels like like you're more interested in them ah, than the activity you're doing. Like this time is, number one, time that we're spending together. And number two, we're watching football. There's a, a hierarchy. Of- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. My, my focus is on you. I mean, well, yeah, we're, this is what we're doing. We're shooting baskets, but I'm way more interested in you than the baskets. Right. And, and, and you do that by engaging, by physical touch, by you asking them questions, by you talking first. If I just sit there and mm-hmm. watch the game and say nothing unless my son initiates the discussion, then that's uh, non-verbally saying to him, I'm really watching football. You're just kind of along for the ride. If I'm starting first, if I'm engaging, sure. if during the commercials I'm asking him about his friends, then he feels like, hey, dad's interested in me more so than even the game. Right. But then, of course, one thing that I always feel with teenagers is like, They'll shut down and give you like really short answers to questions a lot of times. And parents yeah. tell me it's like, you know, grunts, you know, that they get from their teenagers, yeah. kind of uh, yeah, not yeah, even yeah, like sure. a full word. Because uh, mm-hmm. I also think that there needs to be kind of a power dominance within your family where you're the parent and they're the kid. A lot of times parents like it, it can come across really needy when they're just like um, – supplicating to the kid almost like trying to you mm-hmm. know uh oh can we spend some time you know or or like can we go fishing and it's like it feels needy i think partly because it's not what the kid wants to do it almost solves itself if like what you're saying if you can kind of tune into the 
right activity, I think. But but also mm-hmm. I wonder when you're like asking those questions, like you're saying, how do you walk that line between, you know, not being too like, oh, hey, uh, so how's it going to school? And how's like, and the kid just being like, and it's whatever, it's okay, right? No? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't think it really has to have that pressured feel. I mean, if you're trying to make up for lost time or do everything at once, I guess it comes across that way. But the point is you don't do that. Yeah. So you're not trying to, like, you know, cram for a test, and, you know, at the last <laughs> minute. Like, I know some kids where... You know, obviously, because if they're seeing me, there's some things to talk about. And, and they'll be talking about something important, and it'll strike me as, wow, this is something, you know, I hope they've talked to their parents about, you know, just whatever the thing is. I'll say, hey, did you, is it, you know, you told your mom and dad this? And sometimes they'll say no. no. Way. And, like, that's problem number one. I mean, yeah. and it's unfortunate that they haven't. And I'll go, well, that's kind of too bad. Like, how come? And they'll invariably say something like, well, that would be weird. Or, well, you know, we don't used to talk. It's almost like a... If you're walking down like a pathway and a forest here or a grass, sure, yeah, you know, where yeah. people have walked a lot, you see the grass is padded down a lot because there's been a lot of frequency Trail there. there. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And and it's like that the pathway of communication between them and their parents just hasn't really been frequently done. So uh, even about little things, let alone things that are a bit more awkward or important. And so then when there's something comes up, the kid just isn't used to that. Hmm. And so you just, you can easily fix that by getting them used to it, by talking lots about little things and doing lots of things together and just hanging out and they get used to talking to you. And again, that's where the whole family time idea is just insanely huge because what you do there is, you know, once your kids are kind of old enough, at least kindergartenish probably, um, you know, you have a regular time. We did weekly. Uh, and when they're a teenager, it's getting a little tougher to pull off the weekly. So you do the weekly while you can. Mm. But anyway, you have a, a regular time. Now that even saying the word regular is huge because that communicates to your kids, hey, this is like a big deal. We're going to make this every week. This, you know, what do you do every week? You know, what's regular? You know, school's regular. Maybe you work out regular. You eat, you know, eat breakfast. I mean, the things that are regular are important. So I say, this is, this is, this is going to be not just when we have time. Uh, No, this is priority. We're doing this every, you know, Saturday night or Sunday afternoon or whatever. Sure. So we're regular family time. And then in that family time, what are you going to do? Two things. You're going to have some kind of fun activity. So you're getting that happening. And you're going to have some kind of meaningful discussion. So fun activity, meaningful discussion. And that meaningful discussion, there's all sorts of different things you can do. But you're going to get your kids used to talking or maybe praying together or, you know, doing some little Bible study or you're talking about friends or how we're doing as our family or how do we solve a problem or how do we handle bullies. There's a million things you can do and talk about and they're all important and they're all meaningful and your kids just get in the groove of talking to mom and dad about all sorts of things. So you're, 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 you're creating that pathway and heck, you're building a super highway on it. So then when something big comes up, your kids are totally used to talking to you. The channels of communication have been opened, right? And the yeah. roto router has cleared them out. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly sure. right. So that's how you do it. So that way, it does, there's no pressure feeling or anything. It just, you know, it's like Stephen Covey stuff, uh, old Stephen Covey stuff. You're creating the family culture you want for your family. If it's me, it's my family, me and my wife, we got two boys. We decide how our family is going to be. You know, I don't know how someone else is, but the only family I get to really control is mine. So from the very beginning, we say, well, what kind of family do we want? And let's start creating it. So you don't, you know, again, you don't wait around for those opportunities. You manufacture them, you create them, you build a environment where they're likely to happen and you make them happen. Yeah. And I, you know, if you're not active in pursuing it, then yeah. you're just kind of going to be tossed around at the whims of whatever happens. You know? I agree. So family time is going to be a regular thing. 
there's going to be two components. The first one is one of those Mario Kart kind of uh, things that we <laughs> talked about earlier, uh, uh, some sort so of speak. a fun activity. And then the second part is a discussion. So are we talking about like overall that this is going to take like an hour or does it vary widely depending on how much time you want to throw at it or is there like a recommendation that you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah good thought. Uh, I think it's the meaningful discussion part that maybe scares some some folks. It scared me a little bit, and I and I talk all the time. It's like, well, what are we supposed to do? Like, I'm not a teacher. Like, you know, I don't know. What are you gonna make a lesson plan every time? Right, right. You know, and so it's so it's a little it's a little tricky. Like, you know, I mean, I, I think it's like intimidating. And coming up with something that's like meaningful enough to be yeah. the the topic yeah. this week. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, pressure. Totally, yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> yeah, it is, and, and and so I think that's one of the reasons why maybe people might avoid it because they don't, you know, they kind of I don't want to like wreck it up. So uh, you can make that kind of easy. Number one, there's a ton of books out there that have like lots of ideas and activities and, and you, you know, explode a pickle or, you know, whatever different things as little object lessons. Even in one of my books, I in my, my sibling book, I have the, in the end appendix, I have 15 family time discussion guides laid out there to you know, address sibling kind of things. You know, if you're coming from a faith perspective, maybe you get a little devotional book that has a little like two page, you know, story and lesson that's good for your kids' ages. You read through it, you talk through it, you, you know, you're done. So, you know, so, you know, they're going to be longer or shorter. So again, not a big pressure deal. Right. But one of the first things we did is we sat down and said, hey, we're, we're going to be you know, having these family times and we want to be really fun and, and and talk about things that are important to us and we want to do some fun things. So one of the very first things we did is I had a blank sheet of paper. I said, okay, let's make a list of some of the fun things we're going to do in our future family time. So our, our, our family discussion was making a list of fun things we're going to do. We had this big old list, like this is a great list. And that was our discussion. That was it. Yeah. So that's like five minutes. Right. In our second family time, um, we made a list of things we wanted to talk about. Hey, we're going to talk about all sorts of important things. I have some ideas, but you, but you guys may have some ideas, or we'll think of new ideas as we go. So let's just make a list of whatever we can think of now of different topics that we're not going to talk about them now, but in the future that might be important. Yeah, right. And there's all sorts of things you can think of, and they'll change as you know, and you can revisit them, and they'll change as your kids age. And but you know, we we talked them. I can remember we talked about what kind of family do we want to be. Yeah. Right. What kind of family do we want to have? These are like awesome yeah. topics. You know, how do we want to solve problems? How do we want to treat each other? Uh, how to share? I mean, there's just a million of them once you get going. And then you end up having these discussions. And here's the thing, Andy. You almost end up feeling spoiled. And I felt this way many times. As a result of just the benefits that come from these uh, repeated family times and then just the quality discussions you're having. Mm. You know, we've had so many discussions with our boys just together as a family that were like unbelievably awesome. Uh, that I simply know they would not have happened any other way. They just don't pop out of nowhere in the in the busy hustle and bustle of life. Right. They only happen whether we're talking about you know how you know how to how to show caring for each other or how to pray for each other. Just you know, they see me, I get to see my little teenage boys. You know, you know, pray for each other, and, and as we do that as a family at say the end of family times, or we're talking about how to make friends or how we're going to solve problems the way we want to, you know, mm -hmm. the right way and, and, or how we're going to be respectful to each other or, you know, what kind of discussions are these? Like, awesome. And they don't, don't pop up, you know, out of nowhere. In terms of, uh, you know, getting the most benefit from every minute you spend parenting, having deep conversations about how you want to live, what you want to stand for is like about the best, yeah. like, bang for your buck minute per minute that I think you can possibly get. And I love the idea of just like building it in to the weekly schedule. Yeah. You implemented this like pretty young with your kids, it sounds like. Um, do you yeah, sometimes sure. recommend it to clients that you're working with if their kid is already a teenager? Is it hard to implement yeah. it at that point? And what would be no. any kind of like little uh, things you might want to consider or do differently? Or how would you approach it? 
I mean, you know, hey, you start when you got to start. You know, if you haven't been doing it for the last X many years, right. well, then you either don't ever do it or you start now. Right. So, you know, you just start when you can. And depending on the situation, you know, the parent just is really genuine and honest and says, hey, here we are. We're eight and we're 12 or whatever ages we are. And here we are with our family and you guys are getting older. Mm-hmm. And you know, for my part, as the mom or dad, I just want to be the closest family we can. And and I just, you know, came upon uh, this idea uh, of, hey, maybe we we could get together, you know, every week just for you know, a little bit and do something fun and then talk about some things that are important for us and our family. What do you guys think? And then you, you, yeah, you include them in it and you do some fun things. You make it fun. You kind of come up with topics that are relevant to them. You know, it, it's it's a it's an easy sell. Huh. And and so I wonder, like, to what extent during these conversations do the topics that parents kind of naturally want to talk about, I would assume just kind of come up like, you know, you don't need to put like drugs and alcohol on the list for your teenagers or do you like, (laughs) uh, you know what I mean? Like how overt do you think it's good to be in terms of like steering the conversation towards like certain topics versus talking about things that organically come up with your kids? I guess maybe everyone might like have different ways of doing it. For me, I, I like to kind of be a little bit you know, purposeful. So, yeah. you know, I'm the dad, I'm kind of, you know, in a sense, I, and it turned out I was kind of usually leading the family time and running and our meetings. discussion. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. As it were, I know what we're going to do, you know, I, whether it's, you know, sure. a certain topic I'd bring up or something, you know, from the list we've kind of revised, mm. or if there's nothing big, maybe we'll just do a little devotion or, you know, or maybe we'll just, sometimes we just do a check-in. How's everyone doing? What's, you know, you know, so pretty light. You know, you want important age-appropriate topics. So if you got a you know a bunch of six-year-olds, you know, hey, let's talk about pot. Yeah, right. You know, unnecessarily. Do you know about sex? Yeah, right, right. You know, peer pressure. I mean, there's, there's, there's just tons of important ah, topics right. that'll be age-appropriate. And if they're age-appropriate topics, your your kids will be. I mean, substance abuse would totally be one that you want to have in there sure, and yeah. for the kids of the right ages, and they'd be all over it. And and mm-hmm. it's not like you're going to give them some little lecture. You know, maybe maybe you're going to print it off a couple of things about you know pot or alcohol or some stats so they'll find it interesting maybe you'll you'll ask them hey what's it like at your school what do you see mm-hmm. you know because you have two things you're trying to do you're trying to first of all get a glimpse into how they're thinking yeah i get to hear what my boys are thinking in this i get to hear what they see i get to hear i'm yeah. going to ask them well, what do you think what's your opinion because they're developing their little opinions mm-hmm. so i get to hear and then i also want to help shape and and, and influence that mm-hmm. opinion so this is like the most awesome stuff in the world when you're a parent and whether it's a substance abuse or peer pressure or, you know, just how you make good choices or whatever the topic is, how we're going to solve problems in our family, great topics. And um, you're lucky to be able to have those discussions. We talked about a lot of stuff today. So hopefully some great stuff that parents can use. Todd, thanks so much for making the time to be here sure, man. and for sharing your wisdom with us. Oh, my pleasure. We're here with Dr. Todd Cartmel talking about his book, Eight Simple Tools for Raising Great Kids. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. People repeatedly do things that they want to do that. They repeatedly do things if they think that thing pays off. You go to a restaurant, you like the restaurant, you're likely likely to go back. You hated it, you're probably not going back. So there you go. So so now you're get already getting like a SeaWorld guy because you're 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 focusing, you're thinking like a trainer. This is training. You're training your kids and you've got to think yeah. like a trainer. And most people don't do this, therefore that they're not very effective. 
Like I can think of one sure. dad in my office. I just taught him this whole thing, right? And so the next time I go to get him, he's in the waiting room. This is like, you know, 10 years ago. He's in the waiting room with this kid and they're sitting there in the chairs playing like checkers or something while they're waiting for me. So I say, hey guys, come on in. I'm just watching them. And so he says to the kid, all right, hey, hey, help put the checkers away. And the kid starts doing it. So I think, hey, the kid's listening. Oh, that's perfect. Ah, I just saw it. Great. And so then they come in and I say, okay, how's it going with the whole port on? And I swear to you, the dad says to me, well, it'd be going good if I saw anything to pour it on about. There hasn't even been anything. I said, dude, I just saw one. <laughs> and this is like the big bazooka. There's two things, and they are just a, an unbelievably powerful one-two punch. Huge. Number one is physical touch. Number two is something we're going to call a specific verbal reward. Yeah, dude, I just asked you to turn off the TV, buddy. You do it the first time. I appreciate that. Hey, pal, I just heard you, uh, you know, mom said to go take a shower. And you said, hey, mom, can I do it later? And, pal, I don't know if you thought about it, but the way you said that was really, really respectful. I really appreciate you talking to mom like that. Oh, my gosh. You just knocked, you know, five or ten of these out a day? You, 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 you're changing your family just with that. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get unlimited access to all the interviews I've conducted. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.